Yobu Seiya, and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 117. As always, I'm joined with my co-host, Ed Wynn of unnamedgameshop.com and Jim Casali of coolstuffinc.com. And speaking of coolstuffinc.com, we'd like to thank them for sponsoring us with free shipping on orders of $100 or more and a sweet 25% buyless bonus. Coolstuffinc.com is the store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. How you guys doing this week? I was great until you decided to say hello in another language, evidently. Shalom, Ed. How you doing? What Jim said. Uh-huh. And, um... Is this going to be your new gimmick? Like, every week, whenever you're traveling, you're going to pick the local language and, and mutilate how they say hello? I mean, for what it's worth, Ed has to learn Missouri in instead of Missouri in for next for this upcoming Saturday. It's a different dialect. So maybe I'll go with that next week. We don't know. Oh, yeah. How do you say hello in, in Missouri, the great state? You shoot uh, them. Yeah. We generally don't know how to read words that are two syllables long. So it's been it's been pretty tough. Um, We have sort of a slow week with uh, Guilds of Ravnica pre-release. Jim, did you play in any sealed events? Anything like yeah, that? I did. I played in one. It was okay. Um, I don't really like sealed in general because I open poorly, but... That's not a knock on the format. That's just like variance doesn't like me. And Ed, how far away did you run from Magic when you heard there was a new set coming out? Wait, what? Did you play in a pre-release this weekend, or did you literally fly to the other side of the United States to get away from Magic? Uh, no, I spent most of my time here just hanging out with people and then just doing some some other work. Um, I kept I kept up on prices a lot. I did have a chance to watch some arena, which was kind of cool. Um, I have no time to play myself, so I just kind of had some streams open to watch people jam some pre-releases on arena. But otherwise, I'm just up to my usual uh, whatever I do. I actually played and won my pre-release again. So uh, turns out when you have four on-color rares and mythics in the same guild, it's very hard to lose. So. Once again, I have conquered another pre-release, and that is the best I will ever do in anything related to competitive magic. So, yay. Um, I'm glad our listeners came on to hear you humble yes. bragging about your pre-release. Mm -hmm. And my next thing is that I'm winning Jerry's uh, Pro Tour jacket tomorrow on eBay, and then I'll wear that around and act like I'm on the Pro Tour all the time. So, uh, yeah. Jersey Finance. Um... Do you guys want to start with price spikes? Do you guys want to start with just general discussion this week? I just want to point out that Jersey's finance is not talking about financial advice in New Jersey. Okay. Uh, so let's start with Walking Ballista. This is a card that uh, started off last week around $12 to $15, and it got bought out slash a lot of copies disappeared overnight to $22. And this is interesting because it's in an event deck in the green-black snake deck, um, and it's also rotating this week. So why the sudden price spike, Ed? Uh, so I'm just going to throw this out there. The challenger decks were probably like the biggest like, and most pointless thing that Wizards has done this year, in my opinion, and that's saying a lot. Um, we are now at the point where distributors still have event decks available you can still order it it's still the same price it hasn't been reduced but there's literally no point for anyone to be ordering these now um it feels like 
it did its job very briefly, but it did a it did a very poor job of doing what it was intended to do, in my opinion. Um, the fact that this is available in event decks, I think, means relatively little. Um, it, we can look at some other cards that were in the um, event decks. Most notably, like the mono red deck had both Hazra and Chandra. Um, those did take an understandable spike or spike uh, dip after the. There was a minor dip when uh, the Chandra decks were first announced, and then there was a fairly steady drop in price, I guess, for a lack of a better way to put it. Once they did come out, I think it was back in April, I want to say. I think that was roughly when they came out. Um, it's it's hard to say if it's an issue with Standard at the time because people were pretty aware that like Standard was looking to be pretty miserable. Uh, Mono Red was just kind of on top again. I imagine that was probably the point where most people already had most of their staples, but um, it coming out, it's not necessarily clear if like we can blame you know the Challenger decks for standard staples dropping as quick as they did. Uh, but it seems like most of them, like once they were gone, like nothing really changed past that. It was just kind of a syndrome of these cards are rotating, they're dipping in value at this point. Uh, Walking Ballista seems to have kind of avoided that fate i guess um and just uh it did spike earlier this week i saw that it disappeared pretty quickly on a lot of websites uh tc player included uh even as of right now there's not that many sellers who have them available and i actually don't see more entering the market it's not quite at the point where you can order the challenger decks or you can it's worth it to just be opening them one because most stores are probably sold out of the model red and the black green one um if you look at Star City sale this week, you can either buy all four Challenger decks, which are on sale for $80, or you can buy the uh, second Sunrise control deck. Um, that's the only deck that's on sale individually. Otherwise, you're buying all four. Um, I do think it's kind of odd, but I think Walking Bliss is one of those cards that the fact that it's playable in Vintage, it's playable in Legacy, probably the, it's probably the least playable in Legacy. Um, it's very, very playable modern with how prevalent Tron is. And obviously, like it now that's rotating out standard, no longer matters. But um, I think the fact alone that it's a four of in basically every format that it's good in is enough to sustain the price, especially since Aether Revolt wasn't the most loved set or popular set. It was a winter set, it wasn't opened in large quantities. Um, and uh, I like the Challenger deck alone, like just adding one walking blisters to a pool isn't quite enough to swing it. So it doesn't really surprise me that it's uh, staying as expensive as it is. I don't see it staying at this price. I imagine if it does stay at this price, people will probably start listing theirs. Um, so if you wait a week, I imagine we'll probably see something settled in probably the $15 to $18 range rather than the price it's at right now. It looks like Haruya and Tokyo MTG are completely sold out, but Japan's version of TCG Player has a bunch of copies for like 1,300 yen. So this definitely is not Japanese arbitrage. Um, I expect this to go down to like 8 bucks. I think a lot of people waited too long to get rid of Standard this time. And in about like two months when people still have these standard cards sitting in binders and they're like for people that are not financially inclined. Cause that's what most shops like make their money off of. 
people will be holding these for a while and they're going to be like, yeah, this is an eternal playable. And right when it hits its lowest point, that's when people start selling these copies because they're like, oh, I don't, you know, I need the money or it doesn't fit in any of the decks I'm playing, whatever. And as they start selling those copies, um, the price starts rising as less and less copies are out there for players to pick up. So it's just something to keep in mind. I feel like I want to target this on a hot list this weekend, but not for anything remotely close to what it's selling for right now. It's just like one of those things where like you look at what like SEG CFB is paying on it and then like you match that number and just sit on them for a while. Um, I don't think it's a bad trade target at 15 because trade is always different than cash. And this is a card that's it's like in that price point range where basically any player that walks up to you and that wants to trade will have enough value to give you for this card versus something like a Jace or like a Rashad import or something. Even the more casual players will have like ten to fifteen dollars in trade value for this card, and since it goes into every type of deck, since it's uh, colorless, it's uh, got got a lot of legs in the long term. So, just uh, keep that in mind. Also, if you're gonna wait for to buy them, like I think there's a general, uh, there's definitely a possibility that it could go up if like another master set is announced soon, and it has cards that are part of the Eldrazi Tron deck. So. If it has the Urza lands or Cavern of Souls or... What do you mean if it has the Urza lands, it's going to have the Urza lands? Yeah, I, I like I hear what you're saying, but... Confirmed Arino in under a year. By 2019, we will have a reprint of the Urza lands. And by the end of 2019. That doesn't mean that they're going to be in a master set. They will be in next year's masters. I, I mean, I... There, you're saying it like you have proof, but I don't believe that there is any currently. Like The proof is, is that I own the new artwork for the Tronlands, and every two years after the original art comes out normally is when the card actually gets put into paper. And so I spent money on the three Tronlands knowing that they're going to go up in value next year. Whatever. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't necessarily agree that that's like infallible. Like I think that there's definitely a possibility that that doesn't happen, but if there's a reprint of Eldrazi Temple and Cavern of Souls in the next Master Set, which I would find hard for them not to do, um, the rest of the Eldrazi Tron decks are not very expensive, except for cards like Walking Ballista that are quite difficult to find. Uh, all of the Eldrazi cards, like all the creatures in that deck, are from uh, Oath of the Gatewatch, which was opened heavily because it had Expeditions. Aethervolt also had Masterpieces, but it wasn't as popular. Not, a lot, not as many people were playing Standard at the time. So I think that Walking Ballista in particular could be something to keep an eye out as it goes down, but also be cognizant that there are contributing factors that could cause it to rise again. And speaking of plus one, plus one counters, Jim, uh, how's your favorite little elf doing out of the new set? I Oh, uh, Pelt Collector? Yep. Yeah, that card... I don't know. I don't know what people are playing it in because I haven't seen any decks that actually have it yet. But the price suggests uh, that whatever deck it is it in is quite good. Um, it was pre-ordering for two dollars basically up until the pre-release weekend, and as of last night, they were selling on TCG Player for ten, and are sold out. We're sold out of basically every online. Store cool stuff didn't have any. Star City didn't have any. Channel Fireball didn't have any. Nobody had any. Uh, I'm trying to load the page right now to see what it's currently at, but uh, it's not cooperating, so I don't know what's going on. Um, 
with basically every rare, I say this all the time, oh, they're 1140 now, so they're even more expensive than they were before. Like, I, I know that this car is probably very good, but it's not $10 good. It's a green card. It's not a colorless card. It doesn't go in every deck. It's not as good on turn one as it is on turn 20. It's really hard for rares to be this expensive. The only rares that have been this expensive are Braska's Contempt because it was literally the only card that did the thing that everyone needed to do, and black decks were extremely popular. And stuff like Walking Ballista and Hanger Back Walker, which are colorless cards that can theoretically go in multiple archetypes. So if you don't have any pelt collectors yet, I wouldn't like run out and buy them unless you need them for like a standard tournament that you're playing the weekend of release. If you have any, I would probably try to trade or sell them. I don't think that $10 is sustainable for a card that, while it is good, is not as good as the price would suggest it is. Ed, is there anything you want to add to Pelt Collector's Spike? In my opinion, this card is pretty bad. Um, I like. I think it's... Um, the fact that it's a rare doesn't... It, like it's not quite as um how to put this i guess the ceiling on this card feels like it can't be this high especially since there's like there's just too many good rares in the set um none of the mythics are like actually that crazy compared to what we saw in like um like in and m19 we had like nickel bullets that was kind of the chase mythic in the set um there were like always a few other big ones like Crucible, Scapeshift. Those were all kind of big when M19 first came out. Um, and that made it so that most of the rares weren't terribly expensive. Um, whereas here, like between like the Shocklands, um, Assassin's Trophy, we have like some pretty decent Planeswalkers, Doom Whispers, kind of the card to go after in this set. Um, I think just being a rare is not going to be enough to actually keep it expensive. I imagine like Assassin's Trophy, um, which while it is a very good card, I do think like it will be kind of the, I, th I, I think if we give a few months, Assassin's Trophy will probably be the most expensive card in the set. Um, it will probably be like 10 to $12. Most of the Shocklands will probably be in the, like the five to six dollar range. And I don't imagine any of the mythics will be monstrously expensive. Um, I just don't think Pop Collector quite has enough legs um, to make it good. This is basically a fatter um, experiment one, as it were. Uh, obviously, like the evolve mechanic is a little bit different than what this has going on it, but I don't think it's like quite good enough. Um, that that that's just me. Like I felt like Experiment One was kind of like an underwhelming card to begin with. It saw some fringe playing standard. Um Naya Blitz. Woo, that deck was fun. Uh it was a sweet deck, but it just didn't feel like it had uh, Experiment One wasn't what made that deck. Um So I just don't think this card has enough legs. I think just um there'll be way too much of the set opened. People like generally just love Ravnica's as a planes as a uh, story selling point um i there's there's no way that this can be the most valuable card in the set i think assassin's trophy like has more applications i think objectively it's just a much better card and i think like people will continue to open this as long as people can open shocklands um i just don't see pelt collector being the breadwinner in the set here 
I keep comparing Assassin's Trophy to Abrupt Decay because of the multi-format applications it had. Um, the difference with Assassin's Trophy is this appeals to a lot of commander players who need to get rid of a troublesome permanent, and the fact that it can hit like a Cabal Coffers or something is huge. Um, but at the same time, it's not going to see as much play in Eternal formats as stuff like Abrupt Decay is, just because the CMCs are generally smaller uh the decks and legacy specifically that want to use this are shaving like two abrupt decays and playing two of these so they're half and half um so it'll be interesting to see where the foils end up in a year because of command play commander play because abrupt decay just really isn't used in commander that much unless it's competitive commander and uh i i'd watch the foils once they plateau the uh the thing holding me back from the foils though is this could be a really good card in the future as a promo to help sell sets or to like reprint somewhere. And uh, this was also one of the promos you could open in the Golgari pre-release kit. I'm pretty sure all of you guys opened up Facebook at some point this weekend and saw approximately 18 million Assassin's Trophy promo posts like on every buy, sell, and trade group. Uh, so there's definitely going to be a ton of those out there. But I, I don't think it goes up to 15, Ed, because I think this because of the Shocklands, this set's going to get open to Oblivion. I think this is uh, 12 at most. And, and just from what I would guess, as long as like uh, one of the Mythics is still at $22, which it'll probably be 15 next week. It's just something to keep in mind. Um, the only argument against this card, not this card hitting what Ed said and me being wrong, which generally happens a lot on this cast is um booster boxes keep going up in price and there's a there's a massive difference now between an established shop that has a uh good relationship with their distributor and a new shop that has to pay a significantly higher percentage to get booster boxes into the shop so we could see prices even higher in like small local game shops because they have to pay so much more to get boxes in before labor so it's just something to keep in mind Anything you want to add, Jim? Nope. I think you covered it pretty well. Okay. And um, Ed, what were you going to say? Uh, I think without like splitting hair too much here, I kind of put it on par with like um, like Vasco's Contempt. Obviously, Vasco's Contempt will probably never see playoff standard. It's just like a little bit too expensive. Um, this obviously has much more casual appeal, but I think at its peak point like Vasco's contempt was like kind of 12 to 14 dollars in the early stages of Ixlon standard um it remains to be seen rather whether or not it will go up again i think it's not too far off from that point right now but i think like assassin's trophy because it is playable in standard um i do think it'll kind of like hover like it wouldn't surprise me if it did say in the like 15 dollar price range which is kind of like roughly where like search rise canta which I would argue is like a very similarly like multi-format staple uh, kind of fell. That was Wizards calling Ed to tell him to stop buying out reserveless cards. So Ed, you all, your your parents also apparently have an answering machine. I haven't heard one of those in like probably ten years. This is like a nice nostalgia flashback. Yeah, why my parents have a landline is actually kind of confusing to me, but I don't live here, so it's I. I can't be responsible for that. You're telling me that there's things more advanced than landlines? Oh, man. Not in Missouri. <laughs> uh, all right, Jim, do you want to get into our credit winner of the week? Uh, if I said no, could we skip it? Yes. 
Okay. Uh, well, I'm not going to say no. I'm going to tell you that this week's winner is Tom Mahas. I hope that's how you say your last name. I apologize. Uh, he says, so how do you value cards that are owned by a smoker? I have a collection that I was looking at of Morning Tide, Time Spiral, and other early modern unpicked bulk and some valuable, some other valuable cards. Uh, estimated $300 in buy list value have, if they had all been near mint. However, they have they have been in the house of a smoker. All of the cards are otherwise in great physical condition. Do I consider the cards damaged or just percentage of a price? I would offer if they were smoke free. Oh man, dude, those those cars are damaged. Uh, if they smell like smoke, there's almost no way to get rid of it. And selling them to people, like you can't buy list them through a store. They'll send them back to you. They tell them they'll tell you they don't want them. I would say that they're very close to like. It's going to be a lot of work to sell that kind of stuff. So unless it's like a sta a staple of a format. They're basically worthless. Uh, I guess the question is like, how strongly of smoke does it smell? Like, obviously, like I know, like there are people out there. There's varying levels of this. There's people who like smoke inside their house, and like you know, I if if you're been inside one, like, and you get kind of that like, like the smoke adheres your clothing uh, level of like they smoke in their house, then yeah, you're probably screwed. Like there's like Jim said at that point, it's damaged. If you pull the car out of the sleeve and like and you can smell the smoke, that's probably too much um for like a, for you to be able to sell as near mint. But if it's like if you have like if you have a stack of like I, I don't know how many you have, let's say you have like fifteen or twenty of them. And you hold it up and you can't really smell it, but you can only smell it if there's like, you know, a stack of 100 or something. Uh, you might be able to get away with it, especially since you're likely only, only going to be selling like, like on TCG Player, like if you're only selling like one or two at a time to any particular person, it might be enough that you can get away with it. But again, like if you're, if they came from the type of person where their furniture is basically oozing cigarette smell, then you're, then there's probably nothing you can do with those really. Jim. Jeremy, how do you feel about smokers? So I just realized this is a pawn which defeats like half the point of this cast, but I've been burned so many times on smoke damage cards. Um, we've had people come in with like seven or eight EDH decks that are worth like thousands of dollars, and I've graded them as damaged, and then they never sell. Or like I try and like put them in the fridge or like do all the other fun tricks to get rid of the smell, and then like people on TCG player complain and like it's it's gotten to the point where like unless it's like a staple that's smoke damage I just like try and pass and let other people deal with it which is like sort of my MO is like if it's if you don't know if like it basically if it's going to be like too much of a hassle to deal with just like pass follow the ed style of uh, life and like just wait for the better deal to pop up so, yeah. So I think we're in agreement. Um, smoke damage cards are basically impossible to sell unless they're very, very popular cards. Like if they're like Shocklands or Fetchlands or Power or like just something, something that like everyone has universal value of. You're not gonna want to pick like lava spikes out of that or what is it, Morning Tide? Like you don't want to pick like the little casual things. 
out of the out of that bowl and try to sell it. It's it's just people are just gonna pass. The, the cards are not expensive enough for you to make a deep enough discount that people will be willing to buy it. But uh, thanks, Tom, for the question. Uh, when you get a chance and you hear the cast, please send me an email at cartelaristocrats at gmail.com. I will get you your $25 gift certificate to coolstuffinc.com. If you want to win the $25 gift certificate next week, you all you have to do is leave a question on our uh, page when this cast goes up. It should be up uh, Tuesday, October 2nd on coolstuffinc.com. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna go into the mailbag here because there's another good question that uh, did not win this week, but I feel like it's something we should answer. And I'm not gonna mess up reading it like uh, Jim did, or maybe I will. Maybe I've just jinxed myself. All right. So Tyler Hopkins, which is a very easy name to pronounce, he asked, "Hey guys, I wanted some advice when interacting with one of my local game shops that has recently become the go-to spot in my area." They have a huge singles inventory and a subpar website. The issue is that their card prices are usually 10 to 15% over most websites, and they don't use TCG or Crystal Commerce for prices. Their algorithm is all over the place, and it's not updated quickly. They also buy cards at around 30% of their value, too. So most players only buy from them at a desperation or when a card spike occurs, and their system is slow to update it. The shop has a solid play area and has been around for years. I would like to talk to the owner or manager uh, and instill some logic on it, but I also don't want to insult him because I respect him and I want his store to thrive after others have recently cut down on their magic support or lost their WPN status. I understand he is a business to run, but I almost feel that they would benefit more if people are actively buying and selling cards through this LGS instead of relying on online sites. Oh man, I get called out at the end. Thank you for all the content and lackluster puns. Feels bad, man. You did that to yourself. You specifically... I did not read the end of this uh, question. That is all on you. <laughs> it was a trap. It was a yep. trap in disguise. Now look, his picture is Jim with a mustache. Um, all right, Ed, do you want to tackle this first? I have a mustache. Yeah. Um. I think to break this down, uh, if it were me and I, like you do get a lot of value from your LGS as both a play area, and it sounds like if they're like if they're valuable to your community, I would probably mention it. Um, like I know a lot of stores have been like a little slow to catch up with the times. I sympathize with them, especially for the ones that have been in business for a long time but in this day and age it's really really hard um to if you haven't done it already i would argue that getting into using like a tcg or like crystal commerce like uh interface for like pricing your cards or keeping track of your inventory or whatever um it's gonna be pretty rough um i I would probably say something, just just say like, hey, there are these options. I would um I would point them to like TCG player, like, hey, use this as like your data points or something, um as a way to price cards. I know a lot of stores like they don't even actively price their cards anymore, mainly because it's just a it's just way too much upkeep, especially um you're always gonna have the people where a card spikes 
it wouldn't surprise me if there were stores this morning that got bought out of Walking Blitz in store because someone saw on Reddit that Walking Blitz was spiked overnight. They were probably waiting at the game store. That was me. We sold like 14 copies at 10 bucks. Right, exactly. Um, probably all to one person. Um, so I would probably mention it. Uh, let the owner like just, you know, do with what he will. If he wants to just be behind the times and get punished by spikes or whatever, like that's on him. It's his business. It's his decision. Um, it sounds like you value the game store enough that it's that it's worth bring it at least bring it up. Um, there are stores where I wouldn't even bother. I know like the owner or whoever's running the business is just going to be like way too dense to take advice. It's not your place to give advice. It's their, it's their business to run and they have to run it how they see fit. And if they think that the labor or whatever is too much to keep up with card prices, that's, you know, not really on you to, um, to deal with it. So that, that's, that's my two cents. Obviously there's like an issue of like morality here, but, uh, I feel like finance is relatively devoid of that. So I would say that the bottom line, um, like you said, he has a business to run, uh, let him, let him make his decisions. His failures are just going to be what cut into his bottom line ultimately. Jim, do you want to share your experience as the old guy on the cast and like how you've seen shop owners deal with this? How old do you think I am? Uh, take the fifth, Your Honor. I mean, it's it's a, it's a tough situation, right? Like you want the the store owner to succeed, but obviously, what you're what you're thinking is things that are in your best interest. Maybe not their best interest, but. I don't know enough about the business to tell you that what you're saying is is more correct than what he thinks he is doing. Ultimately, I think that you have to try to have a frank conversation and explain what you're trying to what what you think that they should do, but do it in a way that doesn't insult them. I don't know. I'm not very good at that, so I wouldn't recommend it myself. But if you are able to have a diplomatic conversation, you can probably get that through to them and like explain to him why people only come to buy the cars during certain times but I, I don't really know what to tell you yeah I'm always out of town and my cards are always priced at whatever because I don't really care if the employees like reprice or whatever because people will come in and they'll be like oh I gotcha like this card just spiked and I'm like okay but I still didn't pay like what we're selling it for so that's fine and it also incentivizes people to come into the to uh, our place first when a card spikes and uh, that works really well with like incidental purchases in any of the locations. Though uh, I recently switched one place over to what Ed recommended, which is like each card is individually priced, but then the ones behind it get more and more expensive as you inevitably sell through the stack. And then uh, in another place, it's just like BCW 15 counts and they're all at the same price. And you can buy all of them for the same price and you can buy as many copies as you want. Because the odds are whatever I'm pricing stuff at behind any of the display counters is not what I actually paid for it. So if the card doubles, it's like, oh, I went from like six to 12, but I paid three. Sure, whatever. Like you, you quote unquote beat me, but I still got your money in the end. So that doesn't really bother me. Um, as far as your specific question, 30% of the value is way too low. That's like below SEG, which like with their recent trade in 
uh, switch slash approach where like you're still getting the same amount when you traded him, but like on average, their cash values have been down for like the last year. Uh, Cause like they put on an announcement saying they would change it back after Thanksgiving of last year. And then they never did. They were like, Oh, our customers are, they like this. And for them, it's a lot less capital invested. Um, if they're also over 10 to 15% more, you should probably talk to them. Why? And be like, Hey, I like giving you money, but I don't understand where you're getting your prices from. Can you explain that to me? Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if it also sounds like if shops around you have recently cut down on magic or lost their WPN status, it sounds like maybe you don't have the best magic community in the area in the first place. If like there's just shops losing their status out of nowhere. And, uh, if they're if they're cutting down on MTG support, if you mean like the amount of events they run, that may be that there's not a demand. And if you mean like their prize support, uh, Wizards recently said to change uh, Pearly's payouts to I believe it was 1.8 packs instead of two packs per player. Um, so that might have just been like the LGS looking at the letter, and instead of like still paying out two packs, they switched it to 1.8. So uh, yeah. I don't know. Like you should talk to them because they're taking your money and you're obviously enjoying your time there. Um, the one thing I wouldn't become is like that one entitled MTG finance dude who like drives around the area, like trying to lowball people and, or like just take advantage of shops that like don't know how to price. There's like nothing wrong. Like if you're a local and you notice that your shop has something priced wrong and you buy it, like the shop's not going to care in the long run. But if you're just like running around town, like hustling shops and like, Oh, like doing the old ogre trade tricks of like, what do you value that at? That's like probably not something you should be doing that much. And you obviously don't sound like that. There's just like people that get like that after a couple of years of doing MTG finance. And it can get really annoying from the other side of the counter to deal with those people sometimes to the point that like, I'll just like say no and like, just not, you know, it's like, that's what it is. Like no, no haggling. And like, theoretically, you shouldn't be haggling as a business anyway, because like if it word gets out that like you're willing to take a lower offer on a card, people would just like nonstop ask for a discount on everything anyway. So I hope that answers it because I love to just ramble on this cast sometimes. Anything else you guys want to add? I just want to point out, I am so glad we are done with the, what do you value this at stage of MTG trading? Like it wasn't even MTG finance and it was just like, do you have like? I, I I remember doing trades like that before people had smartphones, where you had to like go on the internet and memorize the prices before you went to sit down to trade with people, and it was scummy as shit. Allegedly. No, allegedly. no, not allegedly. Like <laughs> definitely was, and it was definitely the thing to do at the time, and I definitely did it, and I. I'm not very proud of that, but I would not suggest you do it now, and I would never do it now. That's just, I don't even trade now. That's too much work. Uh, they're still trading alive and well where I am, so it's actually sort of nice because, like, as long as people aren't arguing over the last 10 cents on, like, a $200 trade, it's not really a big deal. That may just be the culture, though. I, I was going to say, is this because just nobody has any money and you can only barter in cards? It's like that, and it's like Midwestern hospitality, too. It's just like you're just like nicer to people. That so, doesn't that's not true at all. That is a hundred percent true. The difference in where you live determines how you treat other people. I, I agree with you, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna subscribe to the 
Midwesterners are more hospitable than other people. Mm. See, I would get angry with you, but as a hospitable Midwesterner, you are correct, Jim. That's um, not what hospitable <laughs> means. But Yeah, but that's a three-syllable word. How am I supposed to know what that means? And that's four because I don't know how to count in Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> this is so bad. We should move on. All right, Ed, do you want to talk about something? Uh, not really, no. I think like we're we're kind of like the awkward week where um like I guess we'll touch on arena well like since I kind of brought it up I think this was like the first week where a lot of people were streaming arena um mainly because this is like the first big event as it were um I think I want to say it was Jim I think he tweeted out like it doesn't feel like it's a pre-release now since so much of Guilds of Ravnica is already available on um I think uh it's uh still pre-release on magic online but i think you can play standard on arena was that how how it is or um you can you can play all you can play ravnica standard on both right now because the 5-0 um deck lists were posted today okay um i guess that's a slightly different issue in itself but um when i did watch arena over the weekend um people being streamed i was kind of impressed with it i don't know if I don't know if it's as good as it can be. Um, a lot of it, like obviously this is all anecdotal. I saw on Facebook, I think Dan Bach had posted and he said something like he had a customer come in that basically got the arena on beta and he basically came in wanting to buy cards in paper. Um, so this is clearly one of those, like your mileage may vary things. Like if this works out for wizards, great. Um, I might be slightly too vested in magic coming from both like paper magic and having played magic online already to entirely see the appeal um for arena but i can see where there's appeal from someone like if you're if you're a personal player or something and you want to like dip into magic um obviously there's like a much higher level of complexity just in terms of how the interface works and kind of how the game plays out but um it's also like it Sorry, a higher level uh, complexity compared to what you're trying to do on paper. Um, But if it works out and it does translate to more players, I guess that's what Wizards want. Um, As for being like an actual eSport, I'm not sure like Arena is the way to do it. Visually, a lot of things look very cool. There's obviously a lot of things that they took from Hearthstone. Um, But I think... I, I have very mixed feelings about arena and i'll I'll just kind of leave it at that um i do want to see like a little bit more of it to see like how it plays out um as more people do kind of use interface and try and like stream with it kind of play and kind of and like we'll see um as for standard being available i think we're this is probably as good as standard gets um well i'll I'll probably go like after we're done here i'm probably gonna peruse through the 5-0 deck list i wasn't aware that they were made available uh, I will peruse through them and kind of see like what's winning, and I'll probably kind of dictate like why buy what buy cards for this weekend at Jeremy's event, and kind of like if I want to get any last minute pre-orders in before the set goes live. I mean, we could talk about some of them right now, since you know we're only forty minutes into this usual hour-long cast. Like I think that there are definitely some interesting things coming out of that that 
I'm not sure how good they are, but they definitely they definitely are different enough that there's some potential cards that you could be buying. Um, are we talking about what to buy? We're just talking about in general what uh, the the 5-0 deck lists from um, Arena Standard. No, 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 they're not from Arena. They're from M- MTGO. Okay. Uh, is Andrew Brown? I think posted the link to them. So I'm gonna go look that up. There we go. I see a lot of like very like level one thinking type decks. Um, I like, agree. I, I mean, obviously this is new. Like I'm not faulting anyone for like you know, hey, model red or like you know, red white or some derivative of you know playing good creatures and turning them sideways is generally gonna be very successful. Um, you know, week one or whatever, right? It, it always does until people actually know what they need to beat, it's hard to actually have the answers to try and beat something. Um, but like, look, just looking through, I see a lot of Boros, which is no surprise. Like Boros is, you know, one of the guilds. Uh, the mana is good. Um, and you just have a fair amount of like dumb creatures to turn sideways. Um, no surprise that like Legion War Boss is kind of uh, one of the, uh, the, the like kind of things that make this uh, deck tick. Uh, so, I'm not completely sold that it's actually a good card, but I guess only time will tell. So there's a couple of cards that are pretty interesting to me. I, I like to look at the stuff that people are playing as four of, like new cards or just old cards that are not um, are not were not played as much. Like there's definitely like some some decks that have like four history banalia, and that's not like not like very uh, surprising. But there are a lot of decks playing the Eldest Reborn, which is kind of interesting. Um, there are a lot of decks that are playing uh, Radiant Destiny, which is the anthem that gives your guys like it gives all creatures of a certain type plus one plus one. They're playing it in a Goblins deck. Um, a Conclave Tribunal is like pretty much in every white deck in this. So, and I think they're like fifteen cents on TCG Player. So, if you play Standard, you may want to just purchase those now because they'll probably be like fifty cents to a dollar if they're if if any white decks are good in Standard when people have to go buy them. Um, Experimental Frenzy is also in every red deck, and that card seems insane. And every time I've seen it been played on the Versus series, uh, that person has very quickly run away with the game. Um, the decks that are playing Pelt Collector don't seem particularly interesting. I, some of them are a little weird, but I don't know. They're like, I don't know what's up with the Eldest Reborn, but it's like in six different decks and they're not even like it's not even six of like the same deck it's just in a, like a lot of different decks like a, a bunch of different black decks are playing it that that stands out as particularly interesting to me even if it's uncommon what do you think ed what what do what do you oh and venerated loxanon is the other card that i've been like thinking is probably better than people think it is um it's basically a one mana four four that puts a plus one plus one counter on all your guys that seems insane, and that's less than two dollars on TCG Player right now. Um, yeah, I think that I think that's definitely one of those cards. Like, it's like for the we'll go wide strategies. That was definitely one of the cards that is kind of sweeter, as it were. Um, it's not an entirely unique effect, which is what like concerns me a little bit. But I think the fact that like it, like if we do see any sort of tokens deck come up, um, I, like obviously this card is going to be the finisher, um. I 
don't see a lot of decks going wide with mana, which is kind of interesting to me, especially since mana is probably going to be like at, at its best here. Um, I do see that, like I predict Clifftop Retreat and Woodland Cemetery are probably going to be quite expensive relatively soon if, you know, if Boros does continue to have the same number of uh, decks, just like a lot of like Boros decks as a whole. Um, Probably we'll see the deck very expensive. A lot of these mana bases start with uh, four of the Dominaria Checkland and then four of the respective um, Guilds of Ravnica Shockland with it. So, and that basically allows you to play like these ridiculous, like it allows you to cast Chain Whirler in a deck that plays heavy on white. And it also allows you to play like the, like in a black green deck, people are playing, uh, what's the name of this card? Golgari Fine Broker, which is the black, black, green, green um, Elf Shaman. The Eternal Witness card. Uh, so clearly, like, I see a lot of, like, cheating with mana. There's, like, double black, double green in this. And Boros, like, in the Boros decks, you have both, like, red and white one-drops. So, uh, I feel like good mana is going to be a big thing. And, like, we talked about this before. Like, if you don't have your um, your Dominator checklands already, I'd probably get them now. They're, like, still, like, in the $2 range. If you're spending, like... Uh, was that like 20 bucks no 40 bucks in order to get like your full set probably good time to get it now just before um before these like like they're probably not gonna go crazy but i wouldn't surprise me if these are five dollars in like a month or something yeah i i agree with you uh i think that also the card that is kind of surprising me that i've seen a lot of is find finality um i guess that black green or like two mana Raise dead twice is is like pretty good. I guess that's the that's the mode that people are using the most. The other ones like it's it's weird because it's like it's a card that's good against control decks, but also a card that can catch up against like the super hyper aggressive aggro decks too. Because the finality part is uh is a wrath basically for all but one of your guys. So I don't know. There's there's a lot of stuff to to look at there um i'm not sure which of these decks are actually good but i would look at cards that overlap over multiple different decks and not like all all the green white tokens decks play this it's like does the boros deck and the green white deck both play this card the answer is yes which is conclave tribunal usually then that's a card that you should probably look into purchasing i have nothing to add to this Except so then, that I should probably be buying check lines this weekend. Yeah, uh, we should do pick of the week too, huh? Yeah, let's get into that. Ed, did you remember? I did. Um, since we kind of briefly touched on the topic of tokens, um, Radiant Destiny, I think it has been my pick of the week before. Um, I just kind of want to touch on it again. I we also have talked about this card. Yeah, I think it is in a reasonable position right now. Uh, it has seen play very briefly. There was kind of a period when I think new, I think it was Rivals Exelon New Standard, maybe post Dominaria before this, everyone discovered that Mono Red was insane. Um, like there, it, it, this did see play in like the white black life gain slash vampires type deck. Um, for anyone who needs a refresher, it's a three man enchantment. It has ascend. Uh, choose a creature type when it enters the battlefield. Creatures of that chosen type get plus one plus one. Um, 
if you have the city's blessing, they also get vigilance. Uh, if we have any sort of like token strategy, I think this is like a very, very good enabler. It's not clear whether or not this is better than like venerate, uh, venerable Loxon or venerated Loxon or whatever it's called that we talked about. Um, but this does kind of double dip. Um, it kind of falls in the same vein as the mortal sun, which we've all talked about in the cast in the past. Uh, there's two very good, uh, anthem type effects that are not creatures themselves. Um, that could do well with token strategies. We've seen these go wide strategies be very successful in the past. Um, two weeks ago, I mentioned that uh, March of the Multitudes was uh, my pick for a card that is secretly insane that could go up in value. Um, this is the, like both Immortal Sun and Radiant Destiny are kind of enablers for that. Uh, there are a lot of things that make uh, soldier tokens. History of Benalia is kind of seeing an uptick in price as well. Uh, it's just another. Um, so it's just something else that produces tokens. It wouldn't surprise me if some sort of like mid-range token strategy deck does exist. Uh, whether or not it would necessarily include Radiant Destiny, I don't know. But I think like at two dollars, it's cheap enough. It also it has a lot of casual appeal. Generally, anthem effects will always do well if you uh, look back at like Honor of the Pure. Even though that card has been printed, I want to say it has three or four total printings. I believe um, it still it still is it still sells very well. Um, it's not a lot of money, but given the number of reprints and given that it's strictly a casual card and only white decks, um, kind of is an indicator of how popular like those types of cards are. Um, I think like Radiant Destiny. It's also the type of card that you don't like. It's possible. It's unlikely that you'll pick you'll pull out bulk since it's like people know it's valuable. It's and it's. A little bit better than that but like it wouldn't hurt to own a playset um if you're willing to throw money at it i'd probably buy like 50 copies for like 80 bucks 100 bucks or something and be okay with it because worst case scenario you're gonna break even uh given like it's casual appeal in a year's time and worst case scenario like a token strategy does exist and this card goes to like five or six bucks Uh, so my pick this week is another Planeswalker. Um, I've been picking the green mid-rangey Planeswalkers because I think that at some point in time they're going to be good. So with all the the uptick of artifacts and enchantments that we're seeing, I think that Vivian Reed is the next Planeswalker that will probably see a price spike. Uh, it might not be very quickly. It might not be this weekend. It might not be next weekend. But right now you can find the one TCG player for like between 5 and $7. And that's kind of like the bottom, like, the the lowest it will probably ever be. Um, of course, that Planeswalkers in their first printing are not usually very expensive. Actually, I looked at it earlier today. They were like $6. Now they're up to $7.50. So it is creeping up noticeably. Um, and I would not be surprised if they were over $10 you know, in the next couple of days just off of the, the fact that I'm talking about and bring it to people's attentions. Um, it's a very versatile Planeswalker. It's good against slow control decks. It will have some applications against faster aggressive decks too, especially if they're you know if they're relying on cards like Conclave Tribunal and Radiant Destiny to push damage through. So I'm uh, pretty excited to get those. I, I purchased some for myself today. I've got another crazy pick of the week this week. As usual, it pertains to Legacy. Uh, my pick for this week is Foil Copies of Bonus Rounds. This is a card that has taken over Legacy 
quite a lot recently. Um, it is being it is five owing right now on Magic Online as well, and it's also uh, putting up results in both uh, SEG events as well as the MKM series overseas. Uh, this is a mono red storm deck that occasionally splashes for ponder, and it uses stuff like Ruby Medallion to uh, basically just play a more efficient version of Modern Storm. Whereas most decks would normally kill you with Tendrils of Agony, this deck likes to kill you with Grape Shot and Empty the Warrens and fun stuff like that. Uh, it plays almost all of its kill conditions in the sideboard. Um, so Burning Wish may see an increase because that got reprinted and it's just been like a bulk rare. It's basically, Burning Wish is basically dead, but uh, foils of this card are like $6 and this is an easy double up. Um, don't buy this card out because there's not that many copies. It's just something to keep in mind if you see it sitting on your shelf at a LGS. So yeah, that's my pick is a foil bonus round. I have literally never seen this card before. It is absolutely insane in Legacy. For basically two red, you just copy everything else you're doing that turn. I see that now. This card is... It's only played in this Legacy deck, but in the specific Legacy deck, it's crazy. And a lot of people are talking about it. So uh, keep your eyes out. I mean, some people also play it in Commander. But it's, it's weird because it's supposed to be like a... It's like a storm card for you and your your, um, your partner if you're playing with teams. Right. This card is... What is going on with this card? This card is so strange. Yeah, the the non-foils are dead, but legacy players like their foils and the foils starting to creep up. Isn't this card basically just Thousand Year Storm? Yep. No, it makes one copy, not a copy for every spell you've played that turn. Oh, okay, so it's not giving a storm, it's just forking it basically every spell it just, fork. yeah it just forks everything okay. got it okay so, so the first one forks everything the second one generally just wins the game so this it's, thing is never costing three in the stack this card is so insane i don't think it's good <laughs> but this card is just so ridiculous yeah all right where can people find you guys uh i am at edwin13 on twitter um i will probably go through last week's episode and answer questions Here's probably shortly, probably in the next day or two. Uh, I will be with Jeremy this weekend um, at his charity event. What uh, state are you going to be in and how do you pronounce it? Missouri. Um, okay. Am I getting shot for that? Uh, no, you're in the liberal part of Missouri, so it's Missouri there. All right. Uh, I'll be there with him. I land on Friday. It sounds like there will be a lot of festivity and hanging out on Friday, I think. Much more we we have some cartel there. fans that want a cube draft on Friday. Sounds great. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be there, uh, hang out with people with Jeremy, and then I will be there all day Saturday at the event with Jeremy working uh, behind the booth and donating to a good cause this weekend. And then it's off to Japan for me. You seem very excited about that last part. Dude, I, Japan is hype. I I am ready to go back to Japan. It yeah. Is, it's been too long since I've had sushi, so... You could eat it other places. Nope. 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 I mean, you can. I'm on the Ed train now. Yeah, I, I, I just don't. I. Okay. Yeah. I, All right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm, I'll... I'm good with that. Where I'm at. Sushi and ramen. Next week. Can't wait. I've never seen you so excited. Do you have a? Do you have like a a pig or a panda image for sushi? Or ramen? Uh, there's one like there's a pig one that has his like where he's like stuffing his face with rice. 
Not in Cobb's That's, that's usually all ramen. Uh, close enough. For yeah. long-time listeners of this cast, you're going to notice that Ed is smiling for the first time in forever. This is because he got his one week off for the entire year. So you won't see this again until next year. Yeah, I, I've uh, there's there's quite a few events between now and the end of the year. So, well, yeah, because next year you're unemployed, right? We don't know what the allegedly was. Allegedly, uh, I am well, certainly not unemployed or homeless. Do you need a dollar? I don't need a dollar. Okay, Jim, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at phrost underscore. You can find my articles usually every other week on coolstuffinc.com and you can sometimes find me in the medium state of Florida. I'm Jeremy. I'll be flying back to the great state of Missouri tomorrow and then I'll be driving into Missouri to catch that Blues game that Jim still hasn't taken me up on. Um, We have 40 dual lands to give away this weekend. It's like 16 grand in revised duels or whatever. So come out and play. Uh, we have old school sides. I, we have a modern IQ the next day, though I'm definitely not sticking around for that. And I know there's a bunch of cartel fans coming up to say hi to Ed, and we will be happily buying and selling cards all weekend, I guess. They're going to be so surprised at how tall Ed is. Yeah. Oh, I have to get a picture of him next to the buy board because I have one of Doug and then like put them side by side. Aha. All right, I know what my new project is. Um, Tormenting me. Got it. Yeah, uh, I may stop by Denver now. I don't want to, but I may stop by Denver. So Ed and I might be at both Grand Prix going on that weekend. Um, Then we have Jim's wedding. I don't know if we're taking a sabbatical the week after. I will definitely not be available whatsoever for like the next week. And I don't Uh, know if Jim wants time off. I'm I'm not going to. So, yeah, the week after. So the last week in October slash first week in November, there will be no cast because I will also not be available. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll be in Korea at League of Legends Worlds. There's at least like two other cartel fans going, so that'll be pretty dope. Is that the one where it's just one hour of me by myself? Yes. yes that, that will be the Ed monologue. All right. Oh, please, please, Ed. <laughs> please, Ed, do it. Uh, if you want to, uh, if you want Ed to monologue an entire episode by himself, Tweet at cartel underscore finance, which is where you can find us. You can find us on SoundCloud at Cartel Aristocrats. We've been seeing some good uh, numbers on iTunes as well. And we really appreciate you guys asking questions, both in the live chat, where we had a lot of fun people hanging out with us tonight, and as well with our sponsors at CoolStuffInc.com, where you can always leave a question to have a chance to win a free $25 gift certificate. We will be back next week. Thank you guys for listening to episode 117. And as always, have a good one. Bye-bye.